Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Michelle Livingstone of The Home Depot for our Woman in Supply Chain series sponsored by Apex Logistics. Michelle is someone I have always looked up to and is very active in our community, especially when it comes to diversity. If you were listening, I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And if you missed it, don't worry. You can catch up now by heading over to Let's Talk Supply Chain com under podcasts it's episode 144 or wherever you subscribe to let's talk supply chain let's talk supply chain is not your average supply chain podcast we feature not just the top of the industry but also diverse voices from within the community new innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry don't listen to the same old same old be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on let's talk supply chain What is quality assurance? SQA believes that quality is getting what you paid for. Quality is spectacular, iconic, heroic, patient safety, safe flights, and astronauts to space. Quality is worldwide. SQA has a global footprint that supports complex and highly regulated supply chains. The partnerships SQA has created over 25 years have benefited through integrated strategies where SQA is able to support clients on an annual basis. Each year, SQA works with its client partners and their suppliers in over 70 countries, deploying a robust network of over 1,000 associates. SQA understands the complexity and challenges within a global supply chain, and our clients have seen that the results from SQA exceed their internal efficiencies. Annually, SQA performs 3,000 audits, 150,000 hours of component inspections, and 35,000 hours of engineering supplier development. Quality is what you put into it and how great you want it to be. For over 25 years, SQA has been a leader in assessing, monitoring, and improving supply chain performance. Quality is SQA, so come and join us. You can visit us at sqaservices.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It is a big week here, another one, I know. So this afternoon, I am going to be moderating a panel of amazing supply chain professionals over at the Supply Chain Canada National Conference alongside of FIT, the Forum for International Trade Training. Tomorrow morning, you can join me live on all of our social media channels for our thoughts and coffee. And I am also uh, recording our first episode for Blended, which is our new show about diversity and inclusion. It's something different from anything else out there on the market. So stay tuned because that first episode is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by a man whose background in engineering and operations for some big name businesses gave him the experience and passion he needed to make waves in supply chain, creating custom solutions and pioneering a new way of thinking about collaboration in business. Who is it? We'll find out after our question of the week. So the question of the week was, what are the biggest gaps in supply chain talent today? This is a huge topic. We are talking about it. I don't know about you, but I seem to be talking about it everywhere. Um, We are doing some amazing things over on TikTok. So go and follow Let's Talk Supply Chain on TikTok because we are going to be 
working on closing some of these gaps, especially for the next generation of supply chain. And we want you to be a part of it. So head over there to learn more about that. So Clay Phillips, I would go with a mixture of the three, but being a student, I see so many strides being made in supply chain management education and the industry being emphasized in ways it hasn't before. Benjamin, yes. And it's great to have classes with other students who have those global opinions and experiences. Working with the people who have been in the logistics for 10 plus years as a recent grad puts a lot of the classroom in perspective. Great point. Jammin, I would say overall it's leadership. Solid leadership would be checking some of the boxes like you mentioned above while helping many through rallying towards a shared vision. So just so you know what we had shared above. Is it the experience? Is it the motivation? Is it the lack of female representation? Jonathan Kempe, there are two prominent gaps. The entry gap, where is the talent requirements and expectation mismatch? And the second gap is more subtle, but in my opinion, more problematic. And that is the gap between those with knowledge and experience and those that need it. Great points there, Jonathan. Alvaro, transformation capabilities and selling auto marketing capabilities. Matthew, to me, the gap seems to be the belief of hiring of a hiring company that experience equals talent. Experience is fantastic and needed, but if there's a young candidate with less experience but a ton of talent, maybe take a chance. Great point. Adrian, I've spoken with thousands and thousands of people in the space. While I don't deal with moving freight day to day, my impression is there is a skills gap in communication and listening. Madison, for me, it's representation. Whether we talk racial diversity, gender diversity, neurodiversity, generational diversity, more representation in leadership will drive the next normal. Shifting how we educate, ideate, innovate, and attract future leaders in this industry. Amazing. Ivan, I think that in the last years, the supply chain professional have improved a lot. We have great technical and system skills, but we need to improve in empathy, service to others, market knowledge, and soft skills. I do agree with you there. Thank you to everybody who participated in the question of the week. Remember, we are back here every Wednesday morning, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, but if you want to get noticed on an upcoming episode, make sure to comment on our LinkedIn post. Now back to today's podcast and which supply chain leader am I talking to today? It's the fabulous Tyson Steffens. After roles at General Electric and United States United States Gymsum. He initially joined Pallet Alliance in 2003 as a business development manager, but now after nearly 20 years with the company, Tyson and the team are transforming Pallet program management with new technology, tailored solutions, and a fresh outlook. Today, Tyson will be sharing with us his views on the importance of partnerships, championing industry improvement, and how Pallet Alliance can help you to optimize cost, quality, and efficiency through their unique collaborative approach. Let's learn, learn a little bit more about Tyson before we dive in. He started his professional career as a process engineer with the United States Gymsum Company after receiving a bachelor in chemical engineering from the University of Akron and completing internships with General Electric. During his time with USG, Tyson moved into an operations role where he managed manufacturing, quality control, and distribution. In 2003, Tyson joined Pallet Alliance where he began creating custom solutions solutions for manufacturing clients. His efforts refined pallet program management by incorporating pallet design and sourcing into a singular effort. In 2006, Tyson earned his MBA from the Keenan 
Flagler Business School at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Since then, he and the Pallet Alliance team have created and managed pallet programs that provide significant cost savings, transparency, process efficiency, and supply chain security. Tyson serves as a trusted advisor to clients and values building collaborative partnerships that lead to innovative, strategic, and comprehensive pallet programs. So welcome to the show, Tyson. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. And I am really excited to talk to you today because you share a passion of mine, and it's something that I talk about all the time on Let's Talk Supply Chain, which is collaboration. I love how you talk about being holistic, creating the right culture, and it's so refreshing to hear in the world of supply chain, and I cannot wait to share that with the audience today. So let's get started. Why don't you tell us about your background and what led you to Pallet Alliance? Okay. Uh, you know, my background is I went to school for engineering and I started working for United States Gypsum as a process manufacturing engineer and then went into operations management. And that really gave me an appreciation for how you need every member on a team in every part of a process to, uh, to help each other and do their job to make everything work. Um, you know, from that point, I wanted to not quite move around as much as I might need to if I kept working with U.S. Gypsum. So I decided to go in a little bit different direction, and I ended up in the pallet industry. And lo and behold, uh, U.S. Gypsum is our largest customer. Nice. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm in touch with the culture and how those things work. But I think what attracted me to the uh, pallet world was that it still is... Um, it still leaves a lot of room for uh, creativity and finding new solutions. And at the end of the day, you're really helping the customer be more efficient, uh, which makes me happy. I, I feel like we're helping them be stronger companies and providing stronger working places for, for their employees. So all that kind of fits into uh, things I like. Yeah. And pallets, I mean, they're kind of you know, something that we don't really talk about a lot. And it's something that is really important to global trade because they really, you know, help in the movement of all sorts of types of cargo. And so I'm glad that we're, you know, we're talking about that topic. And I really like what you said about creativity um, and obviously problem solving, because that's exactly what supply chain is all about. And people forget and sometimes don't realize that that happens in every step of the way, every component of supply chain. So, so I really, really like that. So what exactly does Pallet Alliance do? How are you helping customers and meeting the industry needs? So what the Pallet Alliance does is we are helping customers bypass the traditional RFQ for pallets and all the limitations that come with the RFQ. Mm. So for instance, when they put something out to quote, really all that quote does is it provides you with a snapshot of what the product you already use costs today. And most professional buyers are doing a really good job. Um, the price they get today is the real market price. And the other thing that's a limitation is you're getting that price from a bunch of players in a fragmented market. And when they give you a price for that product, uh, you have no idea how much risk comes along with that price. 
Um, you could be given that price from a very well-financed, uh, very long-tenured company. You could be given that price from a company that is on the brink of bankruptcy, and you wouldn't mm -hmm. know in the pallet world. Um, what we are doing is we are coming in as a basically a, a cross-functional team of specialty buyers. We are uh, looking at benchmarking what the customer does now, uh, going through their entire process related to pallet, seeing if there are opportunities to extract value from uh, um, up and down the supply chain, bring that all together into a customized plan. And then unlike a um, high-priced consultant that gives somebody a fancy idea and walks away and you're left with the burden of implementing that idea, we actually continue to stick around and we do the implementation. So we come up with the idea, we implement it, and then we help you manage it on into the future and become your one-stop shop for anything that has to do with pallets, whether that's a problem, a project, information, um, you have a, a brand new location, brand new packaging, and you need to reimagine what your what your pallet supply chain needs to be. We're basically your on-site expert. I really like that because, you know, there's obviously a lot of things that are happening from a pallet perspective. And maybe we can touch on that before we mm -hmm. dive in uh, a little bit deeper. So when we talk about pallets, you know, what are the different options? What are people considering when they're looking at pallets? Um, and what is coming on the market that's that's sort of also changing the game? Because I know, you know, from a there's there's also concerns from a sustainability standpoint, from a pallet perspective. Um, um, I've talked to some companies that are using alternative materials to do that. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Okay. Um, about 95% of the pallets on the market right now are wood. And that is broken up among hardwood and softwood. And the real choices that pallet buyers have today are you can buy your own pallets or you can rent pallets from a company like Chep or Pico. If you don't have a product that easily fits on a 4840 platform like Chep or Pico, uh, which is kind of a standard, the GMA, then you need custom pallets. And that's where you're going to need to make a custom design and go out to market directly with a manufacturer generally and yeah. buy those pallets. And that's usually where things break down for people over time. And that's usually where we're going to come in and give them assistance. Um, beyond that, you do have the option for plastic. Uh, you have many types of plastic now. You have injection molded, you have blow molded, you have rotary molded, twin sheet. Uh, each of them have their benefits and their drawbacks. Uh, there's aluminum. And I think what is difficult for customers is that we have a marketplace that where it is right now, each person is trying to sell the highlights of their product and hide the low points of the product. Right. And in our space, I think what makes us special and that customers appreciate is that we are material and design and program agnostic. Our goal is to help the customer, and we don't mm -hmm. care 
if that answer we arrive at is wood, plastic, aluminum, if it's a combination of the two, we don't care if it's new pallets, if it's recycled pallets, if they want us to build them a pallet pool and operate the pool form, we can do that. So we are really a solutions company that just happens to be in the pallet space. And all of these different options that are available in the pallet market, we help them decide what's the optimum option for them, along with the fact that we have a very good understanding of how the pallet market works, what resources it uses to bring about its products. So sometimes we can even help a customer get a product that doesn't exist currently just because we know that it is possible in the current manufacturing base and we can go out to the manufacturers, discuss what it is the customer needs and help them arrive at the capability to make it. Wow, there is so much more to pallets than and and I've and I've known about pallets. Um, my husband's been in the pallet industry before, and there's mm-hmm. so much more to it than even I knew. So I could only imagine, you know, a supply chain professional um, that is tasked with moving their goods and and making sure their goods get there in good condition, um, and how instrumental that pallet really is to that transaction. Um, what they would be going through when they take a look at what is on the market and maybe not even realizing that there's a customized option, which is great. And so I think what you're really talking about is that holistic solution that you guys Mm -hmm. are providing your customers, which I would imagine is not something common in the pallet industry. I mean, what, what are you coming across? What are, what are, what is typically out there for a supply chain professional to, to utilize as a resource? Yeah, it, it's not that common right now. You're right. And what what a pallet buyer typically comes across right now is they are dealing with local manufacturers. And a lot of them are really good. Where they will run into trouble is if you are a buyer or maybe you are a, um, a director, say, of a multi-site company, is that the individual plants are left to optimize with only themselves in mind. So Mm -hmm. they may go to a local manufacturer, say somewhere in Georgia, that's very good. And that local manufacturer may do a pretty good job helping them decide on what kind of pallet to make, how to make it, the materials, et cetera. But they don't often get lucky enough that the next 15 locations have somebody like that as well. Right. And what you find out is that when we roll out a program, we'll find out that maybe one or two locations have actually put themselves in a pretty good position uh, regarding pallets, but that the next 15 to 20 are not in a good position. And that's usually because, you know, of no fault of the local um, pallet manufacturer, their job is to sell what they're good at. So mm-hmm. if you go to somebody that traditionally makes softwood pallets, all of their solutions are going to be made out of softwood, even if hardwood is the best choice and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are certain cuts of lumber that they like to cut and certain cuts that they don't. Well, the cuts they don't are not going to be options for you with them right. because they want to sell what they like to sell. Um, whereas we're going to look from the corporation point of view. And we're going to say, what's the best 
design, what's the best means to supply this product for the whole company. And sometimes that might mean one plant will pay a little bit more for pallets so that the next 15 can pay less and the company as a whole save money. So it really right. is a holistic approach in terms of teamwork, but also in terms of the perspective of the company rather than the local plant. Yeah, and that makes absolute sense. So then my question to you is, what are some of the consequences of that? If they're not obviously taking a look at it from a holistic perspective, um, some plants um, can provide the product where maybe other plants cannot. Like, what mm -hmm. is that chain reaction? What are some of those consequences? Well, I think what companies uh, often find themselves in a situation where they have very good quality at some plants, not good quality at the others. They cross ship to a common customer and the customer will compare the packaging and pallets and they run into constant complaints about, you know, one source or the other. And another situation we come across a lot is, you know, in this day of specialization, everybody kind of works in their silos. So if you can imagine maybe a pallet buyer and a pail buyer, they're each racing for the cheapest possible product they can buy. And what happens one day is out in the field, a pail buckles. And it's because the pail and the pallet don't work well together. Well, right. the pail buyer basically gets in trouble and the price of the pail starts going up as they thicken the wall. But what nobody realizes is that it's the lack of stiffness in the pallet that caused the pail to buckle. And the best financial solution is to put more money in the pallet and less money in the pail. Um, but because they work in the silo, they're never going to find that out because they're really buying at odds with each other rather than in tandem together. Wow, that is an amazing example, and and I'm sure something that is going to resonate because it can it can be used in in all sorts of different formats from a procurement and buying perspective. Yes. Um, so then, why don't you why don't you run us through if since we're already talking about examples, why don't you paint us a picture of how you've helped one of your customers in real life? So, you know, what was the challenge that they came to you with, or or maybe it was the challenge that you were able to source? What was the mm -hmm. solution? And then what was the benefit to the customer? Okay. So I think probably uh, one of the biggest examples we have is, um, you know, we've worked with USG for over 20 years. And in the beginning, when they came to us, um, they didn't even come to us wanting to save money. They felt that in this new age of big box stores that there was going to be a lot of um, exposure of industrial goods like palletized loads to the public like there really had not been previously. And they wanted to make sure that they were following all the steps they could to ensure that their product was safe, not just for the industrial space, but also for the retail space. Um, a space where they have no control over it. So what we did as part of that process is we redesigned all their pallets at over 30 locations. We standardized that design to help them document that they had a plan and a process in place to find the optimum design for, for safety for this pallet. It just so happens that by standardizing and streamlining and just the act of reviewing everything, they ended up saving 
quite a bit of money in the process, which wasn't even something they were looking for. They just wanted to get it right. Right. Um, but I think, you know, kind of, and you just mentioned this is a lot of things apply to many different aspects in an industry or across industries. And often when you do things well and you do them right, by default, I think sometimes you end up doing them very efficiently and very cost effectively. And that certainly uh, was the path for USG. Uh, another example may be um, Avery Dennison ships uh, large bulk paper rolls on pallets, round rolls of paper and pallets with splinters and wood are not a natural marriage. <laughs> um, so that is difficult. And uh, what we did for them, though, is uh, they had a whole bunch of designs. You know, they were hard to keep track of. It was hard to inventory. So one of the things we helped them do is we helped them distill it down to um, a handful of standards that every plant would hold. And then we also gave them a few custom SKUs at each plant that they could use for very special or very large customers. So to me, that's a good example of, you know, you never want to standardize just for the sake of standardizing and you right. never want to be custom just for the sake of being custom. You want to solve the problem they have. And often it's the 80, 20 rule and you have to be a little bit flexible. So we provided corporate standards but we provided a couple local customizations to carry out their business. And then that is an overall company skew reduction. Their inventory of pallets that they carry went way down, puts money back into the coffers to be used for projects that are directly related to the product and their technology. And, you know, these, these are all, um, examples that are very standard. Um, uh, another one I'll throw out there because I think people never really think of this is we look up and down the supply chain for them as well. So for instance, we have a customer that uses a lot of plastic pails. Um, they had a heap of scrap pallets behind their place that all their plastic pails came on. So what we did is we got with their vendor base and produced a program where we supply the vendor with the customer's pallet. The vendor ships in, and then instead of inventorying the pails and throwing the pallet in the scrap heap, now the pallet goes into inventory also. So there was only one pallet purchased, but it took care of two trips. Hmm. And, and they share the savings with their vendor, and they get some savings. Well, and I like that example because it's not just about the savings, it's also about the reusability, uh, which yes. then turns into the sustainability, right? Because I mm -hmm. know on the pallet side, there's a lot of discussion as far as sustainability. I mentioned it before. Maybe we'll get into it a little bit more near the end of the conversation. Um, but yeah, you're you're really taking a look at it on how it can be not only a savings, but also part of their sustainability plan, which I really, really like. Definitely. So before we get into culture, because I know you guys are really big into culture and I want to talk a lot about that. You've spoken about a couple of large accounts. Who's an ideal client for Palette Alliance? Like what am I sort of struggling with that mm -hmm. I would pick up the phone and give Palette Alliance a call? Gotcha. Um, our, our ideal clients where we're going to have the absolute best bang for the buck for them are going to be your larger multi-site customers. They're going to have conducted RFQs uh, 
just like everybody conducts RFQs all the time. And they're going to realize that there's not really much to be gained. They're saving a couple percent here and there all the time. And if you're saving a couple percent all the time, that means between RFQs, people are raising the price on you so that that couple percent is there for later. And there are also companies that are generally uh, already collaborative uh, within their own walls and already strong companies in terms of their own culture, because these are the companies generally where uh, the folks will call us and say, hey, we know that we've hit a wall and we can't do better on our own. We need some help. Can you come talk to us about our situation and see if there's anything that we can do? As opposed to the companies that things don't normally go so smooth with are where you get the crossed arms and before anybody understands really what you do, they say, well, I've been buying pallets for 25 years, so I don't see what you could possibly know that I don't. Right. Um, that's usually where we just say, you know what? It's just about lunchtime. Why don't we quit wasting your time? We're going to go get a burrito. Um, we'll call you some other time. Right, 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 right. And I'm, you know, and I'm really glad that you were able to lay that out for us, right? Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes, you know, we listen and we really like to, we like what we're hearing, you know, and we want to reach out, but we also want to make sure that we're in the right space to be able to, to utilize and work with you the way that, the way that we need to, right. Mm -hmm. From a supply chain professional perspective. Yeah, so absolutely. I want to, you know, I touched on it in the intro and you've, mm -hmm. you've probably mentioned it already, you know, collaboration, partnerships and supply chain are huge. You guys take a holistic approach. And so collaboration is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, when you guys talk about collaboration, you talk about it as a whole culture, not just as a standalone point. So why is it so important and how does your focus on partnership set you apart? I think the reason that it's so important for us from a functional perspective is I feel like as people have gotten more and more specialized, um, they've created the need for this hybrid class, which is almost the specialized generalist where you have people that are very good with technology and you have people that are very good with forest products and movement of, of goods through it. But there's not many people that can bring those two together. You know, they, they don't know what to say to each other. They don't know what to ask for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from a, from a functional standpoint, it's really important to us because you need collaboration to have a person that can tie everything together, both in, I need different industries to collaborate with me so that I can understand them well enough to be an advocate for them and include them. Mm -hmm. And I need customers to collaborate enough to allow me some room to run, to show them uh, what the future could look like if they would follow a different process in a different way. I think from a cultural standpoint where it's important for us is just that we realize just like we need a customer that is willing to admit that they don't know everything and they need some help and then we're happy to help them. We're all like that individually. Um, 
there's probably, you know, nothing, you know, within our business that I'm the best at. And, um, there's nobody at our business that could do everything by themselves. We all really do need each other. Um, we need each other to, you know, redirect us at times. We need each other for a helping hand and something that we're not good with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just that process that brings about all these ideas that we would never come up with on our own. We would never be able to implement on our own. And it's just the fact that it is a true team effort. There is no one genius with a thousand helpers um, carrying this out. When you get a program from us, you are getting a Palette Alliance program, even though you know you may see a particular person that shows up to your you know, office 90% of the time, it's the team behind them that is actually producing all of these savings and these, um, uh, you know, um, connections with your supply chain up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the way you put that, right? Because I think too many times we don't see what happens in the back end. Um, yes. And really just putting that to the forefront, it sounds like you are creating an empowering work culture, uh, which I think, you know, is not only important in supply chain these days, but also in business in general. And, you know, so we we spoke about sustainability. And in my research for this episode, I also know that you guys are paying a lot of attention to key social issues like minimizing environmental impact and promoting diversity. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about what you're doing, how you're focusing on it, um, and what what kind of impact you're making? Sure. Um, So, you know, we've realized that from a from a pallet program perspective in doing the nuts and bolts of um, the implementing pallet programs and what people initially come to Pallet Alliance for. We're a really mature, uh, finely oiled machine, and we're really proud of that. And what we also understand is that when it comes to a lot of these, um, you know, social aspects as far as, you know, workplace culture, um, sustainability with raw materials and everything, you know, we're really still in our infancy and we're really, you know, we're a small company and we're trying to really craft a vision for ourselves. And I think where we've been doing well so far is that we don't pretend that we have it figured out and we know that we have a long way to go. And I think that has, has really helped us. Um, for instance, uh, you know, as a supplier, we have won a diversity and inclusion award from USG back in 2017. And I'm pretty sure that our employees really like working at the Pallet Alliance. And I do know that we talk a lot about uh, the natural resources that we save by redesigning pallets. Yeah. And so that that all makes us feel very good. And I think one thing that we're, we're starting to understand and, you know, I, as an individual, to me, this is, this is the important part is that, you know, we have, we've saved countless board footage of lumber by redesigning for less wood content, but we've never formalized the process 
of accounting for that uh, to help show it and to use it as an example to try to get others to go down that path as well. So we're trying to do that. And as we've talked more and more about environmental you know, standards and social issues, we've kind of looked around and, and what we see are that a lot of us are making statements and we're doing things that are very well-intentioned, but when we're really honest with ourselves, we're not sure that we're actually creating change or making an impact. And so that's where we're at as a company is understanding that we're very well-intentioned and we think we're doing a lot of good things, but how do we formalize these things and how do we, how do we formalize them in a way that we can influence somebody else to do this also? Because if one of us does a good job, that's great, but what we need is for a large portion of us to do a good job with each of these things. So we, we feel like we're, we're doing well, we're well-intentioned, we feel like we're on the right path, but also we accept and acknowledge that we've got uh, a ways to go to mature and to become an influence rather than just a, a doer in, in some of these aspects. Yeah. And, you know, it all starts with awareness Um, and the fact that you're not only uh, becoming aware of that internally, but -hmm. you're also on this show talking about where you've started, how that mindset has changed, what you've done internally to grow and Mm -hmm. what your goal is in the future of how you can make an impact. Because let's face it, um, you know, the part of the supply chain that Palette Alliance has influence over can can really, it really puts you in a position to make an impact. And I think that, you know, uh, kudos to you for really being aware of it and figuring out what that looks like and how you can make the most impact and even influence people, you know, within the pallet industry, but also mm-hmm. within supply chain itself and really setting an example. And I think that's what you, what, what you're talking about and what you're doing. And I can't wait to see, you know, how that pans out and, and what happens in the future. So let's talk about that. What does Mm -hmm. the future hold for Palette Alliance and maybe for supply chain overall? Well, I think, you know, I think specifically for Palette Alliance, I think we are, we are looking to grow, um, you know, financially as a company, but only, you know, not, growth for the sake of growth and everybody, we're going to be the biggest. And, uh, you know, we really, we're not worried about being the biggest. Um, we want to be, make sure that we're the best and that we're the best we can be. And I think that will take some growth so that we can optimize some of the resources and capabilities that we want to bring to bear. Uh, I think we're going to continue to develop IntelliPallet, which is our system to be able to digitally track wooden pallets through a supply chain and let those pallets take part in the IoT environment with warehouse management and inventory tracking and whatnot. I think another area that we are going to do some more work on is going to be developing strategies to de-risk uh, pallet supply chains. There's been a lot of focus on this f- 
for very uh, large um, dollar volume supply chains where we're talking about weather forecasts and, and whatnot all over the world. There's been very little done on this for pallets. And at the end of the day, you can buy the most expensive raw materials you want to make a product. But if you don't have a pallet at the end of the production line, it doesn't go anywhere. So this is something that needs to be done. And I think from a, from a more well-rounded standpoint, what we're really looking to do is um, find more ways and, and better avenues to integrate the tech world and the pallet world, which are, like we said earlier, they're not, this is not a marriage made in heaven between the two, um, but it can be. And we think that we have a unique position where we are the people that can get that done for the benefit of everybody. So what we really would like to do is have this, this pallet world that's made up of all these very small fragmented um, manufacturers and help give them a voice through these programs where they can participate and, and we can kind of help be that conduit by which they can participate in this increasingly modernized supply chain so that um, one day, you know, your wooden pallet really is going to communicate and it and we can do this today, so it's it shouldn't be that far off, hopefully. Uh, that wooden pallet can communicate with the warehouse that it's leaving and check in with the truck that it's on, relay uh, the load that has been programmed to it, that it is paired with. It can give alerts if its temperature exceeds uh, a certain threshold for cold chain. It can send a distress signal if it's been separated from the rest of the pallets in a theft um, scenario and really try to bring both of those parties together. The IoT tech world, the fragmented pallet manufacturing base, and make a product that's really never been made with capabilities that nobody's ever had before. And that's really exciting. You're kind of taking collaboration to the next level. So I can't wait to see what happens there. So a big thanks again to Tyson for joining us today. Such a positive and inspiring chat. And I think there's something for everybody to take away from this discussion today. If you'd like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry, head over to Let's Talk Supply Chain dot com forward slash podcast for this specific episode. If you would like to learn more about Tyson and Pallet Alliance, check out episode 146, or you can visit their website at tpai.com. And don't forget to come back next week when we'll be joined by Export Development Canada, talking all about financial resources and how you can export. You're not going to want to miss that. Thanks so much, Tyson, for joining me on the show today. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order 
from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you like this episode, make sure to go to our podcast page over at letstalksupplychain.com. We have a category filter button. And so you can go through and filter by which category you would like to learn more about. And don't forget to come back next week where I'll be joined by Zeeshan of EDC. And yes, if you're a Canadian company, you're going to want to listen to this episode. And even if you're not a Canadian company and you're curious to know how we support our companies here in Canada for going going global and what that looks like and how you can get involved either as a supplier or a buyer. You're not going to want to miss this episode. So make sure to tune in next Monday morning. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Um, you can join our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the SC Supply Chain TV. Next, visit ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z dot com and sign up. We are in full beta and we are helping shippers and freight forwarders globally to do better business together on our platform. It's simple. It's easy to use and it is going to give you back so much time in your day that you'd be crazy to miss out on it. So go and sign up. If you have any questions, make sure to reach out to me. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple podcasts because then you will be featured on an upcoming episode. And we always love to hear from you great week everyone thanks for listening and remember ship happens